I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost the Word DFS podcast. I'm joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey, Tom. I'm real excited for this week. I love early morning golf. I love, you know, link style golf. I know it's not the, the linkiest of the links, but I'm really looking forward to this week. Yeah, I think there'll still be plenty of links elements to it, right? Like, I don't think it's it's not a St. Andrews and we get to see that in all its beauty next week, but... Um, you know, it's, it's a good warm-up. I think it's you know it's certainly more linksy than than the Irish Open we just saw last week, um, which is an event that I thought was quite enjoyable as well. Anyway, so um, really just a good mix of, uh, of events recently. This I think you said to me off air that potentially this is the strongest non-major field um, either of you know of recent times or maybe even history. But it it does seem particularly strong. Like I was just looking through it and I was like, there's probably like legitimately 50 guys that. If they won, I wouldn't be surprised. And that sounds like a really high number, but I think it's true. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And um, and I think because of that, it's actually a really bettable tournament because it seems like there's a lot of value out there in, in terms of number that we're getting. Yeah, I think... So I, I said to myself at the weekend, and, and sort of every now and then I sort of prepare myself for what I'm going to say on here a couple of days in advance and see how my mind changes as the days go on. And, and my first thought was... Just let everyone know that it's going to be tempting to back these DP World Tour players at big prices, but don't do it. <laughs> um, and then, I, I, you know, I've seen it this morning and I've looked at sort of recent leaderboards and I think I think you can. Like, I think the opportunity is there to back these guys at bigger numbers. Uh, certainly we're going to play them in DraftKings as we're going to talk about now. But, you know, you, you look at the recent leaderboards and, it's you know, you don't actually see the superstars win it. It feels like they sort of, sort of save themselves for the following week, which makes sense. Yeah, I think so too. And you, you you might have been talking to yourself saying don't do it because I knew it was going to be tempting to do it. Yeah. And you probably did too. So, and we're, I think we're going to both take the bait on him. But um, yeah, I, th- I think it's tough. You know, for me, it's tough trying to balance fig- right now whether you, you know, the past history, we've seen those type of players do very well at the, uh, the Scotland Open. And, but, you know, this field is better than you've ever seen. So are these, can these guys win if 14 of the top 15 players in the world are here? That's the big question. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, although it hasn't looked like the best players in the field have won over the last three years, especially at this golf, it's, it's, before it, it, it almost always was. Like, you, you saw the, the even like the Ricky Fowlers at the time and Matt Coochers and things were coming over here and winning. And I think Phil Mickelson won one back in 2013, Justin Rose. Like, it was the biggest names of the time, but... Then we look at the last sort of three winners since it's been this golf course: Bernd Wiesberger, Aaron Ryan, Minwoo Lee. Like none of them would have been the best player in the field, and they've beaten Wiesberger beat Benjamin Hebert, Aaron Ryan beat Tommy Fleetwood, Minwoo Lee beat Thomas Dietrich and Matt Fitzpatrick, who were you know Fitzpatrick's obviously gone into a different stratosphere this uh, this season, but they were all just very very good DP World Tour players who hadn't really made that much of an impact on the PGA Tour. Uh, maybe you could argue Fleetwood's obviously been there and done it, but you know it. It does feel like maybe that would change this time. And I'm trying to balance getting caught in that trap of avoiding all those guys at the top, but also sort of spreading the wealth because I do think that, you know, say the top six or seven guys in DraftKings pricing have got different priorities. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think in terms of betting, it, it makes a lot of sense too. You mentioned the Wiesberger the one. Um, that was the first ever European tour event that I hit. I was on him at 33 to 1. I don't know if you remember this, but 
uh, Herbert was just missing like two foot, two footers left and right to make the playoff continue. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it. But I, I just remembered today that that was on, that was on this golf course. So I think that does maybe tell you a little bit about, about what you need to do here to be successful. Yeah, I think so. Um, so let's sort of go, let's look at the 11K range. Let's go right down from 11K to 9K. Uh, of, of those guys, and or 11-2 to 9k, sorry, Scottish Shefters there at favourite. Rather than going one by one, Matt, let, let's just talk about the guys that really pique our interest. Um, mine are actually both in the 9k, so I like 9 flat and 9-3. Is there, is there anyone at the very top that really sort of appeals to you that you feel is a must-play this week? The only one at the top I'm really, truly interested in is Rom. Um, I just think when he's kind of come over uh, to this area... And he's been a favorite. He's been played very well. Um, and I know the fields have been a little bit different, but, you know, the Irish Open, I think there's a correlation there to guys who have played well at, at that event and, and come over here and played well. Um, and he kind of dusted the field that, you know, at like eight to one when he won over there. I just think he's as good of a player he is um, in the United States. I think he's even better in this style of golf. And that's I'm really looking to bet him next week. I mean, I'm not considering betting him or anything this week, but I do think he's um, he's tough to avoid. Yeah, I mean, look, he was the 36-hole leader here last year, uh, was third still going into the final round and finished seventh with a 68. So it's kind of points to what happened over the weekend there. The scoring just kind of got away with him. But, you know, that happens with John Ryan sometimes. just doesn't make enough putts to uh, to get the real low numbers, like he opened 66-65 and then finished 69-68. Like, none of them were bad rounds. And we've just seen a lot of that from John Ryan recently, like the 69s and the 68s. It should have been probably 65 and 66s and... That's been different, but you know, since he won that Mexico Open, like he went, it felt like he went backwards again at the USPJ, finished, you know, just inside the top fifty. But then he's gone tenth at the Memorial and twelfth at the US Open. Does it feel like he is back to, not back to the John Rahm that we expect because he was pretty disappointing. He, he finished Saturday with a, did he double the the eighteenth on Saturday? He at the US did. Open? He, yep, from one up to one down. And then you know. He then just had a bad Sunday, which I think kind of lingered from that final hole. And, you know, the Memorial, he was never really in it at tied temp. So I don't know if they're full storms or whether that's just something to come that when it when it clicks, it's going to happen. But it kind of makes sense as to why you would like it. Yeah. So this week, I mean, I think uh, of the top, he's my favorite. I don't think he's, you know, I wouldn't call him a must play or anything. And then after that, um, like you, my favorite plays are kind of down towards the bottom of this range. I, I, I wanted to... I wanted to want to think that Matt Fitzpatrick was going to be okay after that win. Like, I thought, no, you know, like the the, the consensus is going to be that he's not going to be ready to win directly after winning his first major. Too much going on uh, in his head and all that sort of stuff. And I thought maybe you could sort of use that to your advantage. And, you know, Fitzpatrick just replicates what he did here last year. He, he lost out um, to Min Woo Lee. And he'd already been 14th before that as well inside the top 10. after 54 holes in his debut. But... Has he just had too much going on? Like he's he just seems to be all over the place at the moment. And the one thing I do like about him, which is it's really funny because ironically, it was my one jibe against him. Like I remember I guess when the Bryson thing first sort of took off, he came out and said, like, anyone can do what Bryson's doing. You can just go and power you know, I, I could just go out and add on X amount of things to my drive and and I would win. Um, but that's not golf. And I was like, Well, why don't you just go and do it? If you just want to win, like that, that's <laughs> that's the whole point. Like, that's a ridiculous statement to make. Um, lo and behold, he's now hitting the ball further than ever, and and he's taking his game to new stratosphere. So I don't think it's all down to that, obviously, but it does feel like he's now sort of realised what he said, put that into action, and actually become a better player. So 
I don't know if that makes him a better prospect for this event or not, but I think if you if you wanted to take a chance at ten one, he, he feels like a good person to lead off the lead off the teams. Yeah, I, all great points, you know. And I don't, I know this doesn't matter, but right now he's like pretty much dead last in the pro am going on. Um, I think he's, <laughs> he's like eight over or something. So, um, you know, if you might think that he's kind of had so many responsibilities and it's tough sometimes when you get that monkey off your back and you know you breathe deep and exhale it, it it's tough to kind of get yourself recentered and refocused um but obviously this is something that he could win despite of all that he's he's uh i think the long and straight does help here and he's as long and straight as it gets especially the season he's been unbelievable so yeah i can see it yeah, I mean, he just uh, he he's tied with Paul McGinley and one worse than Tiger Woods at the moment in the pro round golf. Um, it's a it's a that's a top top event that you know it's, it's basically a mini event if you like, and um, you know Xander Schauffele is leading away uh, from Ricky Fowler and from Tyrrell Hatton, who I, I look forward to talking to in about in a minute. But um, do we put any stock into that? Like, does it just give us an indication that they're actually just sharp like Shoffley sharp and you know he's three clear of the field at the moment and he's just come off a win like that that's a positive compared to Fitzpatrick who's at the bottom leaderboard after his win like I know it's, it's too much to read into just for one event but you know it might just speak to kind of sharpness and readiness I think so yeah I, I mean these guys I think want to perform well everybody's there Tiger's there it's kind of a a lot of people have been looking forward to this event it's a beautiful golf course I I, I think, um, you know, I don't think anyone, anyone wants to go there and shit the bed. That's not what you want to do. So I, I think it, you might be able to read a little bit into it. Good uh, good prep for the Ryder Cup, which is there in a few years' time. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go um, into those. Well, actually, let's, let's come to yourself first with Cameron Smith, because I, I need some convincing on Cameron Smith. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll be able to convince you, but um, I do like him. I think he's kind of at the price now where... You know, he's the there's 10, 11 guys ahead of him in the pricing. So I think that's kind of when you want to go on him. He's proven that he's been able to win at a higher clip than most of those guys and contend. And um, he hasn't had the most success uh, over in these types of events. But, you know, you'd think that it's something that would suit him. Right. Because you can kind of get away with some errant drives off the tee and these types um, of things. You can you know, a lot of times you can win this event by. You know, making long putts and gaining eight, nine strokes putting. We see that, you know, on the DP World Tour pretty much every single week. Um, so I, I think he's kind of the type of guy who can get away with a bad shot. The irons have still been okay, even though his finishes haven't been great. He lost strokes around the green at the U.S. Open, which I think was an anomaly. And I also think, you know, that thick, heavy rough isn't doesn't lend to his creativity as something like this would. Um, so I just think, you know, linksy style, you can make a lot of putts, slow greens, and kind of... Um, I just think he has some win equity at that price. Yeah, it's tough. To, it's tough to know with Cameron Smith whether he's he has peaked as we kind of all expected him to at some point. You know, two decent wins this year at the tournament champions and the players, then third at the Masters, and you know probably could have contended there. Like it was inevitable that some sort of drop off was going to happen, and we're still waiting for people like Scheffler and stuff to enjoy the same fate, um, enjoy rather than enjoy that. But um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's just gone slightly off the ball and there are two golf courses that have caught him out because they were testing or whether you know the only thing I, I don't know is that like like you say he's never been that great at open championships the last two he's been okay 20th and 33rd which suggests that he could have a decent week um i just don't know so then my conundrums with will zalatoris like this is a guy that's finished second fifth and second in his last four events like and two of them have been major championships does that 
Does that just mean that he's better next week? Like, do we just hope that he finishes 20th this week and it puts a couple of people off and we go back into the Open Championship? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been wrong on, on him multiple times and I've been burned plenty, but I don't necessarily love him for either. Like, I love the style of golf. And last year, I think I've mentioned before on the show, I was really disappointed with the way St. George's played and how Morikawa was just able to kind of take it apart like a typical, you know, tree line test. And I just thought there was no creative creativity involved and i don't think that's his strong suit like if it really plays lengthy this week and next week and there is wind and there is all these things we love about this style of european golf um i don't like him but you know i, I said the same thing with more kyle last year so i'm hoping that it, it plays more traditionally and i um if that's the case i think i'd rather there's some other guys i like better it looks like the wind is going to die down which kind of leans to his favor and then maybe you know you get stuck on the wrong side of the draw at the open and you see the kind of how he would deal with that but um Hideki's the one for me that was really really appealing like last last minute kind of preparing for this and and kind of looking at my bets as we're going to the betting shafts this like he's been fourth and third um in two of his most recent starts obviously fourth going at the US Open he's finished inside the top 18 at the Open Championship three times and two of those in Coven Scotland so his best ever finish was sixth at Muirfield and he was 18th at St Andrews, obviously going to next week, where he was tied 10th and four back at the halfway stage. So clearly he's he's quite comfortable on these shores. Like he's been first and third in approaching recent stars as well. So his um his iron play is just obviously you know right where it needs to be. It feels like maybe the injury problems are behind him as well. He just a lot of consistency. I think he can play. He's got those kind of shots around the greens that he needs for this kind of test. Um, it'll probably just come down to whether he makes those long putts that you alluded to earlier. Yeah, I mean, nine strokes on approach about in his, in, at the U.S. Open. Uh, so, you know, fantastic. Exactly what you'd want to see. Um, do, do we yeah. worry that the, to, to kind of counter my own like of it, like, do we read into the fact that he shot 62 in the final round at the Borough Nelson's finished third and 65 at the U.S. Open's finished fourth? Like, is he was it, never really in it. Yeah, is it one round magic that's kind of making him look really good? It, it, it could be that. And I'm concerned just, like, about his... You said he's been consistent, but it's like he's been, you know, very inconsistently consistent, right? I mean, he's yeah. a he wasn't good. And it's like it, as as good as his results have been, he's been tough to rely upon and been tough to predict. Like going with the injury thing, then he's playing, is he not playing? Then he does play, and he's and he's good, he's not good. And then we think he's gonna still injure the next time, and he does well. It's just so much, so many question marks surrounding him. He feels like a better bet than he does a fantasy play. Like I agree. Like a thirty-three to one week we've got over here, like that just seems, and we get eight places each way as well. Like that just feels like a bit of a steal on uh, Hideki Matsuyama. But <clears throat> yeah, DraftKings-wise, it, it seems a tough sell. Is there any interest in kind of the the Shoffelays, the Cantlays, the Sandburns, Morikawa's, or are we are we just kind of seeing and waiting to see what they do? I think Xander is probably the best fit for this type of thing, right? He's been great in the Open Championship for the most part, and he. Um, is, is obviously really hot. His game suits. He, right now, he's kind of lapping the field at, the, at this Pro-Am. So I think he's hot. Uh, I think he's probably going to be popular. He's not a guy that I ne- that I ever typically play. I, and it you know rarely hurts me. It did two weeks ago. But I think going forward, I'm just going to continue to do what I what I do and don't play him. It seems pretty wild to me that he is 20 to 1, though, in a field where he's normally 16, 18, 20 to 1 anyway. And he's just come off that win. Like and he's still playing well. Like to me, that in terms of betting again, like a bit like Hideki, he feels like a really good bet. Um, and maybe you know you don't want to rely on him too much in DraftKings, but I guess DraftKings has always been his stick as well. And he's 
you know, tenth here last year. One round where he was, you know, higher than seventy, or he was, he finished seventy uh, in round two, like sixty-seven, sixty-six, sixty-seven. The other three rounds, it was just really, really solid. So, I think actually, I think if I could, well, I definitely can. Looking at what I like down the bottom, like if I can start with a, you know, a Zander Hideki, that feels like a really high upside, um, you know, lineup. That you know that that could open up a lot of avenues. So that is one way of going about it. Yeah, t t totally agree with that. And Morikawa um, is interesting. Um, you know, he was pretty horrible here last year, and that's kind of what led everyone to think that he couldn't yeah. contend in the Open Championship. So um, I'm gonna kind of just hope that that's the case again. And um, but that price and in even the betting price, another guy who looks kind of to have a lot of value. Yeah, it does. That that's the that's the trouble. With this event is that like I found it so hard to whittle down. Like I had a really scattergun approach at John Deere last week, and. I only really Scott Stallings gave me a chance and I didn't really want to do that again this week. I wanted to really nail down some picks and I think and I'm, I'm getting closer, but um, this has certainly helped me out as we talk through it. So who's your guys in the 8K range? I mean, Jordan Spieth obviously likes Lynx Golf. We've seen it plenty of times in the past, but is he playing well enough to be considered? I don't think so. Um, but, you know, with that being said, I'm going to go to a guy right beneath him who isn't playing well either in, in Victor Hovland. But I just think he's too cheap, both in the betting market and, and in DraftKings. So I'm going to play him. And I, I bet him at 35 to 1. I just think, you know, if he finds a way to make everything click. And this might be a good, you know, for guys who aren't playing well. And I think the same way about Cameron Smith. Like, guys who aren't playing their best right now, this might be a change of pace, right? There's going to be slower greens. It's going to be a different style of golf. It's going to be maybe just a refresh for some of these guys. And I don't think Hovland's been playing so, so bad. Um, to where he can't kind of turn it around. I still believe in his talent. I still believe that this is the type of thing where, where he can win. Um, you know, he's a couple DP World Tour wins. I know that they're in places, you know, Germany and Abu Dhabi, not really anything anything like this. But um, I just think he can maybe reset and get it and start to feel a bit more comfortable. I think his skill set works out pretty well for this course. It's interesting with Victor Hovland because he, you know, if you just look at his major finishes, 27-41st and then miss cut, like that would normally ring alarm bells for any other top player and we haven't really heard those about Victor Hovland he's kind of gone by the wayside whereas he started the year as everyone kind of thinking about him being in major contention he hasn't done it um, and really since winning in Dubai at the Desert Classic like he finished second at Bay Hill fourth at, um, at Viewfield Village and uh, not Viewfield, where was it? the Genesis uh, Riviera and um, it, just, it, just, it just doesn't feel like he's playing that well but like like you said I don't think that matters too much for him. I do think he can flip it. Like he was 12th in his only um, open championship start. So again, the only thing with that, I guess, is that we don't have any experience of him on the links properly because that 12th is, like you say, at St. George where it definitely wasn't linked. Yeah, I, I do think that this style of, um, you know, I know there, this it is a little more hilly than you'd expect for links, so it's not necessarily completely, but I do think it can't hurt him around the greens with the way these, you know, they're kind of, he can kind of Texas wedge it and um, the slower greens can kind of go at the go at the pins a bit more. I think he struggles when the when the greens are really fast. They always call it the great equalizer, right? Like the links golf that you know you can mm -hmm. you can see anything from anyone and and I do believe that. So I don't have anything really to say on uh, Sung JM unless you do. I think I'm pretty comfortable passing on him. Uh, Wacky Neiman just always kind of catches my attention, but I don't know. I trust him at the moment, like which sounds really weird because he's a guy that I do really like, but was disappointed at the US Open when I really liked him coming off the memorial. Missed the cut again at the Travelers last week. Hasn't got 
really any open championship form to speak of. He only just made the cut last year, which again we've spoken to has not been a, a true links test. And and you know, a hundred dollars cheaper, you've got Ryan Fox who he's just dominating DP World Tour golf at the moment. Like he's just been absolutely ridiculous this season. And he's gonna be the true sort of ambassador for like where does he? Where do we sit in terms of DP World Tour players and PJ Tour players? Like he's a guy that, with this new alliance, or whatever, he's going to be a prime candidate to get a PJ Tour card, and you know he probably will play those kind of golf courses as well. But you know, second, third, second in three of his last four starts, second again before that, um, he's just been unbelievable. Like it's just you know even in even it, adjusting for the field strengths you know, for the PJ Tour guys, he's top ten uh, in this field in terms of current form. And to be honest. It's probably better than that. It's just that you know the, the weighted of the uh, the PGA events is so big. But yeah, I just really like him. He's got fourth and sixth plate finishes at this event in 2017 and 2018. They were on different golf courses, but I do think this course will suit. He overcame poor course from last week to to contend and, and nearly win again. So I think he can do that this week. Yeah, unfortunately, DraftKings and all these you know betting sites did a good job at um, at pricing him correctly because I was hoping you you might be overlooked and. Um, it's actually, you know, for betting, it's a bad thing because 40, 45 to 1 is going to be tough for me to get to. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping Nick 65, 70. But for DraftKings, it's probably a good thing because you can play him. And I don't think he's going to be 20% owned because I think people see pivots in that range and they see how expensive he is and they say, oh, I can't play him over, you know, a couple hundred dollars more and play Jordan Spieth or, or whatever it is that they're thinking. So I do think that makes him a better DraftKings play than a bet, too, you know. Um, you know, we, we always talk about the opposite. For him, I think he's a much better DraftKings play than a bet. Yeah, no, I, I, I think the same. Um, another guy that you, you talk about maybe a pivot there is Tommy Fleetwood. Is that someone that interests you this week? Yeah, unfortunately, it, it does. Um, <laughs> he he hurts me a lot, and uh, I love going to him. But I again, I think if there's something he can he can win, this is probably it. He's second here a couple of years ago. Uh, my only concern with him is that when he did come in second, that was the year it played tough when Rye won at 11 under. So, you know, can can Tommy get to 20 under? Probably not. No, um, I think that I think you're right. Like that is the concern for me. Like you want it to be a really brutal test, and they've already said that the wind's going to be down. And when you look at his top ten at the European Open in in Germany, like it was a real back to the wall job. Finished, you know, 69, 71 in really tough conditions to climb up. And last week didn't really do a lot. US Open didn't do a lot. PGA he was obviously good, uh, which kind of put me back on, like put him back on my radar. But I don't think people are, you know what Tommy Fleet was like in Scotland is going to be missed. Like, we know he plays well there. It's just, I actually would rather just take a chance to him at the Open Championship next week. And, and actually, the thing is, you're not going to get a, they're not giving us any numbers on the guy. I, he, like, I'm seeing right now, next week, he's like 40 to 1. I know the odds still have to reset, but I just think, I, I agree with that completely. I think next week will be better, even though I, I think next week will probably be 18 under range too, unfortunately. But Yeah, I've just, um, I've just looked and he's actually shorter for next week, which is, that's, that's crazy for basically yeah. the same number like yeah so may- maybe you do because t- the trouble is as well like if he's 84 now and he wins this week then you know you're going to find it hard to put him in your DraftKings lineup next week so if you like Tommy Fleetwood probably take the chance right now um I don't want to miss it though that's what I'm worried about yeah yeah it's tough isn't it um any more in the 8k range for you I mean like the- there's a stream of guys that have been playing good golf like Billy Horschel, Max Homer, Cameron Young but like none of them particularly appeal to me Horschel's the only one I know, you know, um, he's was the favorite a couple weeks ago. What did he finish? Like 13th or something um, when he was the favorite at. Yeah. And he wasn't River. good. He wasn't good either. Like he had one really, really strong round that kind of reminded everyone that Billy Horschel is what Billy Horschel is. But like, I thought he was pretty disappointing there. And 
closer of 67 here last year after three opening rounds of 70. It kind of suggests to me... I mean, we know that Billy Horschel doesn't have strong form in the Open Championship because he doesn't have strong form in Major Championship. So it's really tough to kind of equalise what he does. And it just it would never surprise me if he does well, but I don't expect it. Yeah, and people will kind of draw to the um, his win at Wentworth, but at Wentworth is as you know, yeah. kind of American of a, of yeah. a European course you're going to get. So I, I think that might be kind of a, a misleading. So yeah, I'm a, I'm going to pass on him as well. Um, Young and Homer are the type of guys who, again, I, I fall into this narrative. I, I want to go for the guys who I think could play play well in this link style of golf, and I, I still am a believer in you know traditional. Um, guys who play well in linksy type events can continue to do that. So I'm going to I'm going to ignore it. I know a lot of people are also going to say screw it. I don't care. Those guys are good enough to win no matter what. But I'm going to stick with the uh, traditionalist view. Yeah, I think you just got to think like to that point. You just got to think like, do you think they can play well next week at the Open Championship? And if the answer is no, then just don't back back them this week because they're not going to miraculously be better at this just because it's a slightly weaker field. Like it's it's a really strong field. It's a it's a tough enough golf course that if you're not on your game, you're gonna you're gonna lose out. So, folks. Sweaty Sack Summer is approaching and it's now time for you to prioritise the comfort of your crotch. That's why the king of crotch comfort, Manscaped, has spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Now I've had the honour of testing out these new boxers and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear I've ever owned. It's so breathable that it's like gills for your groin. They even trademark the jewel pouch so you know it's serious. I think it's time for you to invest into your family jewels, so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping by using the code LFW20 at Manscaped. Let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that Manscaped on the waistband of your underwear, it's almost a guarantee to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on a highway to Pleasure Town. The micro model fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run or strut, these moisture wicking boxes breathe without breaking a sweat. The tagless waistband hugs your body without digging in and lays flat against your skin to reduce the chafing. And the front fly opening gives easy access and makes bath and breaks quick and efficient. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code LFW20 at manscaped.com. And that's 20% off and free shipping with LFW20 at manscaped.com. So once the boxes 2.0 touch your sack, you will never go back. Um, coming to the 7K range, it's just it's littered with guys I want to play. Like Keegan Bradley's really interesting still at 7.9. Um, actually sneakily very, very good in the Open Championship up until the last couple of years. Like started 34th, 15th, 19th. Did miss the cuts and Andrews, but was that 15th was um, at Muirfield, which, like I spoke about Hideki, that's his best finish uh, in an Open Championship. Again, not, not similar golf courses, but just in Scotland is something I quite like. He's been 18th there uh, in that event as well, and just playing just really, really solid golf. So I do expect him to have a decent week. Yeah, not for me. He's just not the type of guy I view as, as, you know, as what I'm targeting this week, but he's been he's been playing very well for me. And for you, I know we both talked about this. It's it's I can't play him over a guy like Terrell Hatton, who is playing well right now at the pro am, and you know I use that as something you know in his favor because there's not much else in terms of recent form. Um, you you have the course history stuff, so you know he's he's shown some he's shown some good stuff uh, at this course. Yeah. So my first line of, of what I've written down for the best show later is admittedly not in his best form, but now returns to an arena it feels most comfortable in and. That's it, right? Like, he's a two-time Dunhill Links winner. He's also finished second there uh, twice. Should have won last year when he when he gave out to Danny Willett. Um, if you look back at his DP World Tour, just DP World Tour only starts, 
made 10 of his last 12 cuts. He's won twice. He's finished second at that Dunhill Links. He's got four more top eight finishes. So when he drops down to this level, he's just a different golfer. Now, I know the PJ Tour guys are in this week. So that maybe negates that a little bit because the, the field shrimp's bigger. But, like, even when he's been in poor form, he's shown little flashes at the PJ Championship, at the Heritage, and he's been 14th and 18th on his golf course. He's been second, fourth, and ninth in the Scottish Open in the past at different courses. So... I just think if, if Tyrrell Hatton's going to find anything this year at all, it's going to be in this kind of two-week stretch. I know the missed cut of the Irish Open is a little bit off-putting, coming off of missed cuts at the Canadian Open, the bad performance at the US Open, but it just feels like Scotland, Lynx Golf, like, let's just chuck Hatton in. If it doesn't work out this week, then you can kind of probably ignore him, I think, for the rest of the season, because this would be a real indicator of where he is. Yeah, I mean, looking at you know, people are going to look at his recent results, and one of them is Canadian Open. That was a really tight driving test which isn't up his alley i think he can get away with a couple sprays uh here so i I think that you know wasn't the best course for him and then you look at at the country club in boston which is one of the most traditional golf courses you're ever going to see and that's just not his his style of game so i think you know like you said if there's a place it's going to be it's here i think that 70 to 1 betting number might be a better uh avenue than the DraftKings play but um i'm probably gonna uh do both I'm going to do both. And like it is scary, right? Which is why it sounds like a better bet than it does a DraftKings play. But I think he's he offers enough upside to, to make it interesting. So I will go there. Now, <clears throat> another guy I thought was worth looking at was Keith Mitchell again. He's got back in this form. I mentioned him a couple of times in recent podcasts. I, I thought he was you know coming back on this upward swing. And I don't know that he's got the game for Lynx Golf. I mean, he's missed two cuts in the Open Championship, which isn't you know necessarily a great thing. But doesn't mean he can't like he's a different player this season than he has been in the past and i don't know like he just he just seems in really strong form that it might be worth playing him some yeah he's in good form um again one of those guys who i probably won't play just because they're not exactly what i'm looking for but he's doing been doing a lot with the putter and i don't know you know typically i'd say that's a bad thing but maybe here it's a good thing if he can get really hot with just, the putter, it but just it just feels like where he's won at the honda like Euro guys come over and play well there. Like mm-hmm. you have to flight your ball a little bit. You know, wind is always a bit of an issue. So, completely different style of golf courses, but just like same sort of players and candidates that play well there. Just kind of caught my eye a little bit. But other than that, I think the the other people I like in this seven cage are, are fairly obvious. So I'll, I'll let you rattle some names off before I sort of talk about my guys. Yeah, I don't love too much here at the top. I, I looked at Rose a little bit, but I just think. For him, it's like he's playing well in the majors and he tricks us into thinking he's going to continue oh, to play well and then he doesn't. I can't do Justin Rose yeah. anymore. <laughs> and then Moronk, the only thing I, um, I like about that is the fact that we've seen guys who have just won at the Irish Open come over and play well at the Scottish Open. We saw it with Lucas Herbert. And I think like people are going to write him off because he just won last week. But in historically, that's actually been a strong point in their favor. Yeah, he shot a second round 65 here last year as well. Like that's not, you know, never a bad thing. The only thing I, I think with him, like Lucas Herbert felt more ready to win and go and do that again. Whereas I think Moronk is, it's a completely different style of winning. Like, but they overplayed it a lot. Like, oh, this has been such a long time coming. How relieved are you? Like, he's not been around for years and really struggled to win. It's been like a couple of really good strong seasons, and he's finished second or third a couple of times. He's never really been the the guy that's gonna win each week and and not done it. So. Um, I think it's being overplayed a little bit how like caught up he's going to be in that. And if you just look at the raw numbers, like first, third and sixth in three of his last four starts and two thirds before that, like that's really promising, especially when you look at like Qatar and, and Dubai as someone that 
you know, Lynx Golf can translate to some of those results as well. So, interesting person to play. I think, like you say, there's probably be enough people to put off. But I will go with Lucas Herbert because you just mentioned there that he came, you know, straight over here from winning the Irish Open and finished fourth uh, last year. He then finished fourth the year before that on this golf course as well. Um, and even when he was 62nd here on debut, like he was 20th at the halfway stage, and he shot a third round 79 the week that he finished fourth and shot a Sunday 64 to climb back up. So, you know, it just feels like he likes a. Re- you know, he's, he's obviously someone that loves a repeat performance. That's just something he's built his career on. And it worries me that, like you say about. Um, who did you say about before? Mitchell, about like doing a lot of it with the short game and stuff. Like that's just his MO, but that's just his whole career. Like that's not new. Mm-hmm. So. I think if you if you know that that's that type of person and you can do it at this golf course, I think Lucas Herbert, although he's not going to be um, hidden from a lot of people, like 7,600 seems a good number for me. Yeah, I love Herbert. I'm, I, I am worried about the popularity, like you like you alluded to, um, and I'm worried about you know winning in this type of field strength. But he actually has shown up in some bigger events, so he's you know one of the least guys I'm worried about from the DP World Tour who can actually contend in an event with a strong field. I think the thing is with him is like when he comes back and wins or plays well on the DP World Tour, it's because he's been really strong on the PGA Tour before, like 18th Memorial, 19th for Travelers, wins the Irish Open, um, then wins the Bermuda Championship again, not you know not a massive event, but he's won the PGA Tour, so that monkey's now off his back. And yeah, it just feels like even like when he finished 7th at the Irish Open and 4th at the Scottish Open in 2020, he come off the 31st at the US Open, so it just feels like he builds it off of like the stuff that he's been doing on the PGA Tour, and he had that 13th at the PGA, he had the 7th at Bay Hill, like it hasn't been as consistent this year, but I think he's still one of the better DP World Tour players, and one that at 7600 I feel pretty comfortable playing, so yeah, I, I like Herbert. What what's your opinion on the betting price? I mean, I was thinking about, but I saw like whatever sixty six seventy, and that was really difficult for me to get behind. So he opened at eighty, and I had him just written in and, and done. I thought he was too big, and then he dropped down to sixty six. And I think it's still is something that you've got to think about, like especially in the UK, like we get eight places or ten places each way, so it feels a lot less of a stretch. Like he's got back to back fourth place finishes. You take a couple of places extra because of the you know the field strength, and even you'd think he'd finish in top eight. So. Um, not so not too concerned in terms of betting price, but if you were just going basically in the US where you have to play the win or the top five, like I'd be a little bit more concerned. I think he's a good top ten play. It would be would be the way I'd approach it in the states. Yeah, so a guy at the same price who I'm looking at is is Bobby Mack, who I think you know could go well. I don't know. You you probably have a better idea on this than than I do about if, is there a lot of pressure for these guys from Scotland in this event? I think there is with him. Like it's like you see the other guys in Scotland and they're just not great players like they haven't really had a real leading player since you know like montgomery and laurie like it's it's been a while since they had a real scottish hope i guess and there's, there's probably someone that i'm forgetting about that i'm doing a really big disservice to but like russell but, knox russell knox yeah i mean <laughs> is, is he scottish he's, he's kind of american but like yeah, yeah. it yeah I, I think i think there is on him like and i think he's felt it a bit and like every time he goes over to the pga tour i think he struggles because he's kind of like a small fish in a big pond and when he comes back over to home comforts, he's generally pretty good. Um, last week, he was 13th and had one bad round. We shot 73 in round two. So that's promising. Like I think that there's a lot to like. I, I always just assume that people are going to go to McIntyre just because it is Robert McIntyre and he's Scottish and it's a Scottish Open. So um, that always puts me up a little bit. And I've always been I've always been a little bit anti-Robert McIntyre. I always think that like he's not quite as good as people make out. And it just 
you know, we, we get very fanatical about British players hoping they're going to do it. And mm -hmm. uh, he's been 14th and 18th here, missed the cut once in three starts. And like when he was 14th, he, he had a really bad start. Like he opened with 74, then kind of rallied back. And then last year, he just never really got better than the 18th. But he was 17th in round three, but like he was never contending. So it feels like he'll play well. Um, without really threatening. Like, I'm just going to try to look at his uh, approach numbers from last week. I, I think he's another guy that you can kind of rely on to sort of show you what he's doing. I mean, last mm. last round, last week, the Irish Open, he was 17th in approach, and that was his best approach round of the, of the week. So that's probably a good sign. So, yeah, I, th I, th yeah. I don't think there's too much pressure on him that he can't play well. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a problem. I just think that he's possibly not in the form that he was when he's been here in the past. Yeah, the only thing I do like, or another thing I do like about him is the fact that he's played well in these big fields before with all these big names in the field. So I think that's a point in his favor. Um, I'll, I probably will play some of him at 7,600. So another interesting one uh, in this price range who hasn't been on my radar, didn't even think about until I was just looking at it right now, is Alex Noren. Like, Alex Noren likes links golf, plays well in the Open Championship, generally used to get bet there sort of every single year. He's won a Scottish Open, he's finished third, but he hasn't played a Scottish Open in four years. So he's not played at this golf course, which I thought was really puzzling. I know he's obviously dedicated himself to the PJ Tour a little bit um, of late, but I just wonder if he, it feels like he's playing here because he has to, because it's a PJ event as opposed to uh, making the efforts come over. Yeah, my, my issue is just in kind of shit form right now, right? He's yeah. missed three straight cuts, um, albeit big, difficult events, but he's been popular in all these events and he really hasn't paid you know, paid that off all year long. Um, I've been kind of fading him because just the popularity has gone. He was like 30% owned in, at the, um, at one of these events, uh, Heritage, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, for me, it's just, it's just been difficult. Um, it's just difficult for me to play him, especially now that he's in bad form. I have no interest really. Yeah. I mean, I think he's just one of like, he, he finished 14th in his home event in that kind of mixed thing that kind of made me stood kind of made me pay a little bit of attention to him. Uh, while I was looking, but not enough to kind of change my mind on him. So then you've got a little run here of Harold Varner, Christian Bezweed, now Aaron Rye, who's obviously a former winner um, of the event um, in 2020, beating Tommy Fleet. But again, we've, I mean, I'm not bothered about Varner. I'm not particularly bothered about Bezweed and Howe, although I thought his performance last week was pretty promising. But is Aaron Rye just one of those, that because it's not going to get as tough as it was in 2020, a bit like Tommy Fleetwood, it's, it's, it's bad signs for him? Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, what's your what's your thoughts on him? I mean, look, he's he's won it before, so like it's it's really hard to say it won't suit him. He came back defending champion and finished thirty fifth. Um, I I just I just don't see the win. Like I don't see it again in this stronger field and. And with the number getting away from him, I just think it's going to go too low. And the same for Bisweed and Howe. Like I've seen them both having solid weeks and, and paying off their price a little bit, but wouldn't want to rely on it. I'll take the upside, guys. Yeah, and he was so popular last week too, and he kind of let a lot of people down. He let me down, and I just, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm probably just going to pass. That's a good thing though, is but in some respects it does put people off if they're popular the week before. Um, yeah. Memorably, people were even playing. Yeah. Right. Mimu Lee was defending champion. I, he's just really bad right now. And I played him at the Irish Open last week in the hope that, like, drop down in sort of uh, level, uh, a little bit of hidden cause form might just work in his favour. Didn't, so I'm, I'm kind of out on him. I think defending champion in this field is too hard. And then you've got Houtong at 7200, who's just playing really good golf right now. Um, we know he can play Lynx golf. He's played really well at an Open Championship in the past. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know what to do about it. I mean, it's, it's really skewed what Houghton's done here because he's missed three cuts at his golf course. Uh, two cuts, sorry, at the golf course and finished 14th. But, like, he's been shit for a while. So, you know, I don't want to read too much into that. I'd actually rather go on his, you know, current form. His ball striking has been really, really good. It's been, a, a, you know, a couple of weeks since he had that kind of, I don't want to say career-altering win because he's already won bigger events. But, like, you could see the passion he needed that win. So, um, yeah, I think Houghton's an interesting one at 7,200. I, I like Houghton. I think um, I was looking at my preliminary, I was making a couple of lineups, and he kind of fit a spot that I, that I needed a, a kind of that price guy. So I, I did go to him. Um, my only concern is, like, how emotional he was after he won. Yeah. And and it, it didn't seem like a type of guy who's like, all right, now he's going to – he has this high expectations of himself. He's going to go back to the grind and start – stringing wins together it's it doesn't mean he can't play well right but i that was a little concerning of course fit a little concerning as you mentioned but um as of now I'm, I'm looking at playing him but there are a couple other guys in this area who i like better the other thing i really like about him is that like when he was really really bad last year like missing cuts every week with drawing i think it was for like 14 15 straight events like he finished 14 for the dunhill links like, and that's what kicked off this run again of, of coming back so just has really good sort of memories of you know links golf and i think i will play him uh who are the other guys mm -hmm. you like in this range uh veerman who i just saw you tweeted about um is he's probably my favorite dp world tour player so i, I go to him all the time so there's no way i'm not going to go to him when he's in this type of form at this price um i think he fits with you know a lot like min Lee and the way he, he plays and he, he makes him a good course fit we saw the irish open as a, a good uh, correlation he was good there last week and he was incredible there last year so i think all those things point to him being a really strong play yeah i mean he's he's had three straight top 24 finishes and he's not been hitting the ball as well as he normally would either so like that's either worrying that he's not hitting the ball as well as he is or it's encouraging that he's having those finishes without his best stuff and, and can find it at any point last year he finished eighth in his course debut and shot 70 67 67 then shot 65 in the final round to vault into the top 10 so uh, maybe just a little bit of fatigue from the week before and you know again that could be in play kind of this week but I will take the the positives of him playing well again he basically got better every round last week 72 70 69 69 so looks like he's kind of growing into events all the time and and not too far away from probably contending again so that kind of wraps up my interest for the 7k range I don't know if you had any other more names um are we is it right to skip over Dietrich considering what he did last year? So I I tried the Dietrich thing recently because he was getting to a big number um, at the, I think it was the International Open. He finished 15, which is fine. Like, I think the, the 58 last week kind of tells you where we are at with Dietrich. And that second was a kind of standout finish for him as opposed to the norm for him on Lynx Golf. Um, so... I'm not going to go there. I'd actually be probably more intrigued by Harris English just because of <laughs> just because of what he'd done recently in Travelers, coming back up like another week of being a little bit rested. Like I think he could be a good player. Luke List is obviously hitting the ball well, and I think he's finished third in the Scottish Open in the past as well. So I'd probably rather go to those two guys. How about um, Molinari? No pass. I mean, which one? Yeah. Either one. I was thinking <laughs> Francesco, but all of them. Um, all of them. No. Yeah. No. No. Oh. <laughs> Um, I'd probably go. Yeah, I'd go Eduardo out of the two, but sixes then. Yeah, this, I'm with you. I like a lot of guys in the sixes. Victor Perez. Um, no, you mentioned him to me, and that's kind of what turned me on to him. So 
what do you like about him? Yeah, so I just think he's got a little bit of kind of hidden form at this golf course. It's not like it doesn't stand out. But like he was 28th on his course debut, shot three rounds of 68, and then shot a final round of 66. Uh, 2020, he was 14th despite a third round 74, and he'd missed four straight cuts coming into the event last season. Uh, he'd missed, but they were at the Masters, a PGA, and a Memorial, and the US Open, so all stateside, um, and you know just just tougher events, but. He finished 53rd, but he was actually 21st after 54 holes, so he's been really, really good, and now he's just in much better form. He's back to the bits of Perez that we kind of grew to love on the DP World Tour. He's got a win in the third in two of his last four starts, so really, really like bits of Perez. Like, Dunhill Links winner, um, I think is massive. Um, biggest event, you know, biggest win of his career. Had a chance to win Wentworth and, and didn't quite get there, you know, because of Tyrrell Hatton, but struck the ball really, really well as well, so... Um, yeah, I, I just like it. Like you say, another guy that's been there and done it in stronger fields. Um, this might be the strongest that he plays outside of the majors, but yeah, I, I, I like his stuff and like what he does in Scotland. Well, speaking of a guy who's been there, done that, speaking of a guy who's won at the Dunhill Links, um, Thunder Bear. I love Th- Thunder Bear. I <laughs> love him this week. Yeah, I, I can see it. Like, I think like, a lot of people now are ready to get back on the Ollison train. Like, He's obviously had his issues where people didn't want to like him for, you know, obvious reasons. And that all kind of had to get sorted out. And he made, he come back in a really big way at that British Masters win. Like those two massive putts when he's like eagle birdie finish, like absolutely ridiculous. Typical of someone like him. Um, eighth last week at the Irish Open, best round came in the final round of a 66. So, you know, winner of the Dunhill Links, second at the Dunhill Links. Uh, I think he, I'm almost sure he's played the Scottish Open well. I can bring that up at the same time just while we're looking. But, like, yeah, I don't think there's particularly anything to dislike about Ollison. It's just it's just how much you can trust him. I think he's so hard to get right. Like, I, I like his volatility generally. I'm just looking at this. His Scottish Open form, not great. 36th, his best finish in seven starts. But... He's had a lot of lean periods during that time. Like he's been, in, he's probably had two or three like peaks of his career already so far. So um, hard to know. He's 54th last year when he still had the problems going on. Uh, shot rounds of 66 and 68. So that's promising. Yeah, I, mean, I think during that time he was just doing a bunch of cocaine and having tons of sex. Yeah. So I think uh, right now he's definitely in better in better form than he was then. Italian Open. I want to say maybe it was last week that I that you might have linked the Italian Open to um, to success maybe maybe not I can't yeah remember. maybe not he's won that too so but he, he's obviously a very established player i just think in terms of he's playing pretty well and the fact that he's kind of priced down here makes me uh makes me interested in him um and then i was looking kind of at rasmus you know he's he he's been horrible when he, whenever he's had a chance to play with the big boys that's my concern but isn't he better than this price indicates he's better than this price indicates but i hate him i just hate i just hate playing him like he's just so hard like Yes, he's a good betting upside. Uh, scares the life out of me in this kind of format. Like I just just feel like he's a miscut incoming. Uh, Ryan Palmer obviously finished well here last year, but don't necessarily expect the same from him. And then you just got guys like Adrian Aus plays very very well on the on the DP World Tour, and he's going to be the perfect kind of case study for you know DP World Tour versus PJ Tour players in this field. Um, Two starts ago here, he's sixth after 54 holes, even though he'd opened with a 75. Um, dropped down to 26th with the final round, but I think that's really promising for right now. So I think he, uh, now that he's got the monkey off his back with that first win, is someone that's really worth playing. Interesting, yeah. I, I, I could definitely go there. I'm definitely going to lean on you for a lot of the, um, the guys in this range. 
Uh, because it, again, it's a lot of DP World Tour players, so I, it just depends on who's ready to, who, to compete with these type of players. Um, let's see. Uh, Wallace, everyone was on him last week. Yeah, I, I, I thought about going back to the world, but like, I think even when he was a better player, he hasn't played this event that you know particularly well, and that kind of put me off a little bit. Um, Antoine Rosner's another name that I like down here. He's one in Qatar, um, which always seems to be a little bit wind affected. He's played well at the Irish Open last week. Um, interesting enough, like the Sicilian Open was something that you would link to Ollison as well, was was good. Uh, just thinking back to that, which may play into, I think Kirk Kisiyama has played well in the Marne. That's good, uh, good stuff as well. Um, there's just a like John Catlin's in very good form right now. Um, do I trust him to play well in this field? He's like. He's Lucas Herbert light, I think, which is probably a bit of a weird thing to say because I think he's actually maybe won the same amount or more uh, than John Catlin has, but um, very similar skill sets and just does the same thing. So make your choice there. But uh, one person that's catching my eye a little bit um, and has played very well in this event itself um, and on this golf course, he's finished 34th and 19th. He's won a Scottish Open in the past. Even when he was 75th, like last year, he had a couple of, you know, sub-70 rounds. Brandon Stone. Like, Brandon Stone plays some really good golf uh, when he gets going. He's had a 5th and a 15th back-to-back in Germany. Finished 46th last week in the Irish Open, which was, you know, that was a little bit disappointing after after the little run of form that he was on. Um, but I think he's someone that could definitely come to play in Scotland. Yeah, that, that makes some sense. Um, I was going to ask you, I don't remember seeing his name last week but how did patty harrington do he played okay he, he was struggling to he struggled on the first day i think and then sort of really brought it back and then he finished 30th so i mean that's okay it's it's solid enough i wouldn't want to rely on him but um you know i think he's gonna have a lot of kind of obligations in the next couple of weeks that would probably put him off a little bit interesting do you think there's anything in brandon stone like just looking at the fact that his compatriots keep winning four million dollars on the on the live golf and Maybe just wants to get himself a win and get himself an invite onto that because he's probably sick and tired of seeing them win more money than him. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, the type of players who are getting paid this amount of money, then you have players who are comparable who are probably you know trying to scrape by with all with finishes. To it's, it creates a, a very interesting dynamic. Yeah, and then down here we've got um, some. I mean, there's guys that. I mean, we're gonna get a little bit wild here. Um, Calais Samoya has got a 20th and 9th on the golf course. Recently got his first win uh, on a DP World Tour and his 21st two starts going in Germany. Missed a cut last week with an 81 in round two at the Irish Open, which is a bit disappointing, but he was 60, he's 6,300. Same price, Sebastian Soderberg led the field last week at the Irish Open with his irons, uh, which was really promising. Um, not much more than that to add, but just, you know, that was kind of eye-catching. Um, and then Joe Kim Larkin is sixty one hundred. He just loves Link's golf. Like there is like he's basically shit all year. And then just when he gets the links, he's just amazing. He's like Matthew Southgate, but he actually seems to finish better off. Like you look at his. So he's won the Sicilian Open, wind affected. Second at Qatar, wind affected. He's finished third, second, fourth, fourth at the Dunhill Links and twelfth as well. He's got a fifth at the Irish Open. Um, third at Portugal Masters sometimes gets linked to this. He's won the Northern Ireland Open on the Challenge Tour. Um, this is this is Joachim Lagergren's kind of arena. You know, we talk about kind of Tyrrell Hatton and how he plays when he comes over. And you just look, he missed the cut on his first start here, but he bettered his score by five shots in the second round. 
he opened the 68 to sort of sit 14th in the, on the second go and, and just kept falling down the leaderboard. And then last year, 35th. You know, if he finishes 35th at 6,100, you're, you know, you're absolutely delighted. So uh, a couple of really cheap guys there to kind of round out what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think if, if you're trying to go for a strategy where you want to play a couple of the guys, you want to go Rom Zander and add him, then you can make that doable. I think for me, I'm probably going to be skipping down to that range that we both like, that low nines, and going from there. And I think we can end end it around the seven. So depending on how you build, that could be a viable option. Yeah, I mean, look, I put I put Lagergren and Soderberg in earlier just to see what I could do. It left me with an average of 9400, which I just don't need. So uh, you don't mm-hmm. need to do that. Um, but if if you do need a couple of cheap plays, that would be my guys. Um, are you ready to round up our picks? Yeah. Let's go into the, Let's look at it from Scheffler at 11 2 down to Hideki at 9K. Who's your favorite player in that range? I'm going to go Cameron Smith. Cool. I'm going to go with Hideki. I think he's sneakily very good on Lynx Golf and, you know, he's hitting the ball really well again. Uh, let's just go in the 8K range. I'm going to go with Hovland. I'm going to go Chalky with Fox. Like I, I actually strangely don't trust anyone else in that 8K range. I know Fleetwood makes a lot of sense, and but everyone else seems a little bit uh, scary to me. 7K range is where, you, you know, quite often is, is the case. Is probably where you're going to make or break your week. I'm going to give Tilra Hatton a chance at um, 7,800 in the hope that a lot of people don't go to him. I agree with you. I'm going Hatton as well. Should we, go, should we give another one in the 7K range as well? Should we both just go Veerman as well? Yeah, I was debating Hatton and Veerman, but I think both, yeah, 78 so let, and 7. Let's just say 78 and 7, we've got uh, Johannes Veerman. In the 6K range, uh, your favourite play? I'm going Thunderbear. Thunderbear there. This this is really hard for me because, like, Victor Prez makes the most sense. He's the one that I think has got the highest win equity. Um, but I don't think that's going to be hidden from people. I'm going to go Brandon Stone at 6,500. Like, I think he could he can make a real impact. I think he's the sort of guy that can win uh, if he gets some hot irons. And, uh, yeah, you know, he can definitely get a hot putter. He's got the... He's got the chip on his shoulder watching all his buddies win $4 million every week. And, um, yeah, he probably wants to play his way onto that team. So Brandon Stone to win uh, the Scottish Open at 6,500 and get himself. I'm not sure he's actually in the Open Championship yet. Not, I don't think he is. It doesn't strike me as someone that would have been in. Has he done it in like, South Africa at some point? Um, so, yeah, he might, he might. He's got that. I guess, how many? do we know how many places are going to the Open Championship next week? I don't know. That's something I should know, so I need to know that. I think it's probably three or four still yeah. um unless it's just literally one last chance for one person but i think it's probably top three yeah there's definitely gonna be a couple um that about sums up what i've got for the scottish open anything else you want to answer that yeah I mean, there's a lot of pressure on you this week right your two worlds are colliding we we're uh hoping for some good analysis from you because the, i'm going to rely on your opinion on all these guys at the bottom and hopefully maybe some top 20s maybe some top 10s and some of these guys i like the stone call i'll probably See if maybe we can get a top ten or something on him. Yeah, thanks for thanks for the additional pressure that I already <laughs> I already feel enough as it is when we're having bad picks. But uh, look, yeah, it is it is you know what I do. Um, I will be doing the live show with Skylar Hoke uh, on the Mayo Media Network on Wednesday as well, which I will probably have another couple of days of kind of taking in some more information. It still feels pretty at this very early for us doing it. Um, earlier than the betting show, which is not usual. Um, so yeah, we've got some stuff to figure out. The weather could obviously change at any point. Uh, at the moment, it looks very calm, uh, which is great if you want some PJ guys. Uh, if you want some chaos, then not so great. But yeah, I think I'm just trying to find if we can see anywhere very quickly how many get into the open. But I can't find anything that, that 
is really quick. So I'm sure it's probably three or four spots up for grabs. Yep. All right. Well, I'm really looking forward to this week. It's going to be a great week of golf, great golf course, early morning golf, all my favorite stuff. Yep. Love it, Matt. We've, uh, we'll be back for the Open Championship next week at St. Andrews. So a lot to look forward to. And thank you as ever for your time.